So I'm not talking a lot about leadership in the big cosmos, right? But leadership starts with a person to a person. How can you be in this world and walk in this path and be an example to others? That's, I think, the first step in leadership. Meet Doris Horenstein, a former member of the Israeli army turned U.S. citizen and now a leader, educator, and speaker. Doris draws on her Jewish heritage and faith, as well as her deeply personal connection to the Hebrew language as a focal point for her work in the world. Today, Doris and I explore leadership from the perspective of faith, privilege, and, interestingly enough, linguistics. I hope you'll listen in and reflect. This is the Supergivers Podcast. you, if you're willing, introduce yourself to my listeners. First of all, thank you for having me on your show. My name is Doris Horenstein, and I am an author of a book called Moments of the Heart. But before I was an author, I was an educator and still am, because uh, I believe that education really is the seeds Mm -hmm. for everything good that can come out in our life and through our actions. When we know better, we do better, right? Mm-hmm. Maya, Maya Angelou said that. My Actually, my life journey started, well, when I was born. <laughs> but I came to America when I was 20, almost 22 years old. I met my husband in Israel. And after my army service, and I was an officer in the Israeli army, so I learned about leadership from a very young age. When I came here, I arrived in December to Portland, Oregon with $600 and no coat in the middle of December. That means I really did not know where I was going. Mm. And sometimes it's better in life when you know where you're going. (laughs) Because my direction was, I don't know, you know, my boyfriend in Israel offered me to come, so here I am. And of course, the next day we went to the store and I got a coat. And But I thought I had a long time to think to myself, what do I want to do with my life? And naturally, because I was a native Israeli and because I spoke Hebrew, I became a Jewish educator. I learned, I got my degree, but my degree was actually in Shakespearean studies and English literature, far away as can be Mm. from Israeli culture. But what was not far away is the use of language. And right from the start, I understood that there is some beautiful and important aspect of the language that I was born into, which is Hebrew. And so through my life as a Jewish educator, I always leaned back on what not only Judaism has to say, but the Hebrew language has to say about relationships and about how to become a really good kind, compassionate human being, all through not the religious aspect of my studies, but more the Hebrew language. Because what I learned in a very, the offset of my, really my adulthood was that the Hebrew language that I treated like anybody else, you know, in their teens and whatever, they speak the language that they're born into. But what I learned is that Hebrew is different than any other language in the whole world. 
and I speak several languages and I kind of know enough to know that when we speak in a or use letters in Hebrew, there is a power to them that is not naturally is in every language. See, I call every language is a language of accord. People sit together and decide how to use that language. What is the pronoun? What are the verbs? What are the, how do we put together letters to create a word? There is no such story about the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language is, an, is an, an, as ancient as we possibly know. And there was no story about people coming together and figuring it out how this language is going to work. So what I did over in my life I invested time into studying the language. I'm no, by no means an expert, and, but I'm more knowledgeable than I was 30 years ago, I can tell you that. And I used that language to benefit myself and the people who I come in contact with. So for 30 years, I was working in Jewish education in education setting. And a couple of years ago, I decided to leave. As a matter of fact, a year ago, July, so in 2018, July, I decided to leave. And the reason that I left was actually my sister was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And she lives in Israel and I live here. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do being so far away from my sister? And that was in 2014. And I decided that I will start speaking positive messages that I have taught, um, you know, for 20 what, whatever years in the Jewish settings that I was in. And I did it for an entire year while still working. I did this beautiful videos, bringing positivity into the world. And then in 2018, at the beginning in January, February, I sat with myself in the quiet space of my own brain and said to myself, Doris, where is it? Where do you want to go next? You wrote all these things, all these, um, you videotape, you transcribe it. Now what are you going to do? And at that moment, I decided that I wanted the world to be my classroom. I was no longer interested in being between walls and teaching and inspiring and educating those who came to me. But I decided that I needed to go out to the people. And if it's Jewish people, great. And if it's not Jewish people, it's great. Because part of me and my uh, teaching was that we, I wanted to be a light onto anybody that comes my way. And at the end, in addition, I could learn from anybody that comes my way. And so, and that, and that's, you know, really crossing over any religion. So I looked at myself more as a connector at that point. And I was lucky enough to be invited to speak at church in Boise, Idaho. I was there just a couple months ago, influencing and inspiring people who have different religion than mine, but it was a mutual respect. And they wanted to know about me and about my language, and about how to better their life, wherever their life is. And there is a beautiful balance in being where I am, because 
when the world is my classroom, there is a lack of judgment about how other people practice the religion. You know, the opposite. There is an acceptance. And, you know, when I'm talking to you about um, about balancing, I, I, my head always goes into Hebrew and into languages. So the word to balance in Hebrew shares the same word as the word year, you know, the body part, your ears. And so what I learned is that the when we listen and we use our ears, our ears, then we actually are able to balance well. Now, if you, as you know, only in the 1920s, the doctors and the researchers found out that really the balancing element in our body is in our ears. But in Judaism, it shows you that for hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that the balance is in the ear. So that means what? That we need to listen better. So through my learning and teaching and being exposing myself to so many people, I learned to listen. And that's kind of hard. You know, it's not simple to listen to people that necessarily you may not agree with. That's actually probably one of the biggest challenges, don't you think? You know? Yes. Yeah, I appreciate that Mm -hmm. overview. Can we go back to what you were speaking to about about the language? I'd love to know, what is it about the origin of Hebrew um, and your commitment to it once you moved to the United States that makes it so powerful Mm -hmm. in leadership? Well, when I moved into the United States, I was 21 years old, uh, right after my army service, very proud of my origin, which is Israeli and Hebrew speaker. And I decided, if these are my strengths, where could I be to influence others? Right? Because when, when you want to be a leader, the first question is, where, what do you want to lead with? Right? What are your strengths? So these two, at the age of 21, I felt were my strength. The fact that I was native Israeli speaker and that I was Jewish and that I loved the language. I didn't use it just because. So that put me in a place which was the synagogues and the day schools to try to transfer the love of the language to other people. And through doing that, give them an opportunity to be leaders. Until today, I have, uh, I'm fortunate really to have people that I've touched their lives. So I'm not talking a lot about leadership in the big cosmos, right? But leadership starts with a person to a person. How can you be in this world and walk in this path and be an example to others? That's, I think, the first step in leadership. Yeah, you mentioned it, I think, when we first connected, and maybe this is part about part of what shows up in your book, that you're really you're really working on relationship. Uh, you're really working on leadership from a relational standpoint. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think relationships is who let's ask this way. Would anybody want to follow you if they don't like you? I think the answer is no. If, if they don't believe in what you say and they don't have a connection with you as a human being, 
what what will be the reason to follow you and to say, okay, she's a good leader or he's a good leader. So to me, the relationship is about connecting with other people. And through the connection, you see the value in them. So going back into the Hebrew about the word a friend and the word to connect, both share the same Hebrew root. Now, when you say it in English, there is no connection between the word friendships and connections. But if you put the Hebrew wisdom into it, then you say, oh, if they have the same root base word, which is not something that exists in English, but it does in Hebrew, if you have a root based connection, then there is a connection between the meaning. Do, do you know, do you understand what I mean, what I say? Yeah. So Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, I love the word in, in English when you say motivation. What is really motivation is, is the motive to take an action. You know, it's like, how do you move yourself from to do things, right? But in Hebrew, so in Hebrew, when we look at friendship and connection, you say, yeah, when you connect with somebody, when you use your balance and you listen, right, you create a, re- a connection, a relationship with somebody else. And when you do that, you understand their value. So that's where I feel that I'm influential with the people that I come in contact with. Well, so this is interesting in terms of the the current context of, at least in the United States. How Talk about maybe if you're willing to it, can you share a little bit about how you've utilize this value system to approach difficult conversations or a moment ago you said sometimes it's really hard to to listen really well when there are opposing forces or opposing viewpoints so how how have you done this um in modern day well you know without getting into politics <laughs> you can go there if you if it you know i don't makes i what i've ta- but i've tried really hard in in my especially in my new career, that I'm not belonging to any, you know what? Well, we can talk about, as far as religion, in he- in Judaism, there are Orthodox, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. There are many streams, just like in Christianity, right? To me, it's not about the belief that somebody has if it doesn't come to hurt me physically. You know, so if some people believe that's the right way to be doing things, that's fine. As long as I am safe, physically and emotionally, I'm safe. I want to give the people the benefit of the doubt and also be respectful if that's their belief, that's okay. That may not be my belief. But the idea is to come with honesty and kindness and acceptance. Because I think most people, I want to believe that most people want to do well in this life. They want to progress. They may not have all the tools. And that's where I think where I come in place is to provide the tools. Because what is leadership, really? Leadership is, the, in my opinion, an ability to create a change or to sustain a change. And 
if that comes through conversations and learning from one another, how fabulous is that? Also, I I was invited to a church, right? Clearly, I'm not Christian. But going there and showing in a respectful way that I respect and value their beliefs, but that they should do the same with me. So, for example, when I was at Boise, Idaho, they had this moment of blessings. And right before that, another woman approached me and she said, may I bless you? And I said, of course. So she laid her hands on my head and started to bless me in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I was respectful. I let her do it. And then I said, thank you. But then the whole group wanted to bless me. And this time I was a little bit more ready because I said, I would love for you to bless me, but please bless me in a way that is meaningful to me, in a way that I will uh, benefit from this blessing. So there was a moment of like a gasping. I felt it, a gasping of this, the energy. Like people did not know how to say the respond, the right responding thing to me. But then the pastor said, of course, of course, I'm going to have my wife bless you. So they all gathered around me in the most beautiful way. And they, and, and the pastor's wife blessed me. And I want to tell you, it was probably one of the best blessings I could ever receive. It was so meaningful to me without mentioning Jesus, which I don't believe in is the Messiah. They understood it. And they blessed me in a way that is meaningful to me. At the end, I had another woman come to me with her three teenage children. And she said to me, I wanted to thank you. And I said, for what? And I thought she meant, you know, for me teaching all the stuff. And she said, no, I want to thank you for giving an example to my kids about what you want to have in life and that you verbalize it in a really respectful way. To me, that was beautiful, where my words and in a kind way saying what I want and what I don't want was an inspiration to somebody else to do the same in their own lives. So I know a lot of people are wondering at this point, that's great and it's wonderful and it's, and it's great that that experience happened. But what do I do if I try to bring acceptance and I try to bring compassion and honesty and it's not met? with the same. It's met with violence or um, disrespect. Because that's sort of the the divisiveness that many of us are living in right now. Mm-hmm. Then, then you, so I would say, then speak about it and use your words, not in a mimicking way, not in a way that is putting down, in my opinion, ourselves when we mimic and i've seen that happens you know when something happens that is bad and to our dislike and not moral and not with the right value what happens is is that w- sometimes we combat that by mimicking that mimication in my opinion never proved to be a positive element so 
use let's use our words you know the 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 whole creation story and i'm going back to that because that's where where i lean on when i look for wisdom you know god created the world by using their words which means words are powerful so let's use our words to illustrate where we are what are we thinking in a in a way that is direct that is honest that is true to who we are but i'm not sure that by putting down somebody else in a way that is mimicking them laughing at them ridiculing them is really going to make us you know prevail in the long run and i know it's hard i i totally know it's hard but i think that's the only way we can do this because when we lower ourselves into mimication and into speaking disrespectful right we we become the other people we don't want to be like yeah absolutely and i'm guessing as an as an israeli american in your life you faced <clears throat> my presumption is you faced um various forms of um aggression and oppression and I'm just curious to know if you're willing to share how you have, and maybe an example of how you've dealt with that. Well, to be completely honest, I have in my life, and maybe it's because I came from Israel directly into the Jewish community that greeted me with open arms. So for myself, I have not been in a place that saw bigotry for me. but. I have seen with all the bombings in, in synagogues as well as churches and with anti-Semitic or racist act, and not only to Jewish people, but to all minorities. I think it's something that we need to stand together and against. And we need to, each one of us needs to understand where is our moral compass. You know, where do we want to be as a society? And these are, you know, big concepts, but I think and I believe it starts with the individual. Just like my book started with the relationships, the four relationships that a person should have. The first one is the one you have with yourself. Is who are you? You know, what are your beliefs? How do you project yourself to the world around you? What do you show as what you value, right? The word leadership is, comes from the same, and I told you before, but the word leadership comes from the uh, same root as to steer, like in a steering wheel, right? Where do you steer your car? Where are you going? That word, by the way, which called manhigut, leadership, comes from the same root as to reflect. So leadership is about not only driving to a particular goal, particular destination, but is also reflecting as you go. And reflecting is an ongoing thing. So I am lucky that I have personally did not, but I have seen what it is outside, the, outside of our necessarily our community in the bigger. The Jewish community in Portland has suffered some anti-Semitic um, behaviors and anti-Semitic people that 
are out of anger, out of hatred, out of ignorance, chose the Jewish people as their target. That makes me extremely sad. And I think is the coming together of everybody else, because I do believe that there's more good than bad in the world. But sometimes the good is silent. And so we need to make sure that those people who are good are not silent. And again, using our words, when we see something happens to other people, we should stand up for what is right and what is just. Nobody should be afraid to walk in the street. If it's Jewish, African-American, Muslim, nobody should be afraid of walking and being attacked by somebody that doesn't like them, not because of who they are, but because of what they represent for this person. You have a bunch of layers, right? You know, from all these different lenses, you're seeing the world. And I'm so curious to know how that's shaping the leadership work that you're doing today. I had the most incredible upbringing. I grew up in a family that gave love in abundance. I have four other siblings, two parents, still married. My parents sometimes had to work three jobs in order to put food on the table. But to many people, I say that I come from a privileged upbringing. And when I, and the next sentence, when I say that my dad worked in construction and my mom worked sometimes three jobs to put the food and clothes on the table, people say to me, what do you mean you grew up in a privileged family? And by privileged, I mean love. I, I grew up feeling valued as a human being. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't reflect on that healthy upbringing and healthy parenting that I have received. And I think that is so fortunate that I don't have a scar on my back that says, oh, these were my scars and now I'm doing work to repair it. The opposite. I grew up feeling really good. And as at my age, in my 50s, I feel fortunate. And that's what I want to pass to other people. Yeah, it sounds like that self-reflection piece you mentioned as a leader, you've turned that into a gratitude practice. Oh my gosh, Jesse, you just hit the nail on the head. Because I am extremely grateful. As a matter of fact, every morning before I wake up, before I put my feet on the ground, walking to the bathroom, the first thing I say, thank you, God for giving me my soul back, for giving me another day. I'm so blessed. And I'm not saying it because I invented it. I'm saying it because that's the first prayer that a Jewish person is invited to say in the morning, literally when they open their eyes. And that prayer, it's very irregular and unique prayer because the word, the subject does not precede the verb. The verb is the first word we say, and then the subject follows next. So it's really, you say, thank I, God, so-so, and so on. And many people ask, why is that? Because most of the prayers, just like in the English language, the Hebrew language is a subject, verb, object, syntax. And the answer is, 
how many times in our lives have we been feeling gratitude the first thing if we say thank and then the i comes next right when do we put the gratitude before the self and i think that's very powerful and when a person does that every single morning forever imagine the impact that it creates in you then your words then your what you see you see it from a different lens you see it from the lens of I'm so blessed. So when you, during the day, when you have a back pain, which I do right now as we speak, I still feel, thank you, God, for this, what I have right now, what I have today. It may not be perfect, but I rather look at the world or at my life or at my relationships as a, as a cup half full than half empty. Because that creates a person that is more hopeful, you know? I do, I do. I love that you're not only bringing the spiritual reflection, but also bringing syntax into the spiritual reflection. All the time, all <laughs> yes, the time. after my own heart. Can, can, you, <laughs> you can, you, um, can you speak to some other ways that leaders might self-reflect and why it's so important in terms of developing good leadership? Well, I think the first thing I would say is the way, in my opinion, to be a good leader is to keep on educating yourself, number one. Because education leads, could lead to leadership. So number one, educate yourself. Learn, learn something new every day. Every day. Make yourself richer in your brain, right? Not richer in money necessarily, but in your own resources. Something new that you did not know a day ago. We have a Jewish tradition that says, if today you didn't learn anything, what good is in today? Right? Learn something new today that will be beneficial to you, that you say to yourself, wow, I did not know that. So that's number one. Learn something because learning could cause a change in you and in others. Number two, know where you're going. So know here things for today, but also know where you're going. What is your direction? Where do you want to be? And start putting your feet one step in front of the other. You don't have to start sprinting. Yeah. But know where you're going. I see so many times people who are aimlessly walking. There is no direction. So what is your direction? And the direction can change, and that's totally fine. But have a goal in mind. I think leadership is about having goals. Because otherwise, what's the point? When? But you're saying specifically, as a leader, I'm assuming you mean a goal that's about personal growth? Well, it could be different. You know, if, if you're a leader that you want to lead people in wherever you're leading, you got to start having the what is now and where do i want to be that's the way in my opinion that you can create people to be leading with you the way otherwise if you're turning if you're walking in a circle which is good if you have a horse but and you don't know how to to ride a horse which is me 
And I'm telling you because he was like, okay, I can see myself going in a circle, but sending me from one direction to the next with the horse, I will be lost and I will fall from the horse. So I need to know the direction in order to know where I'm going. And I'm trying to think of other, um, you know, when I left my work in, in, a, in a classroom as an education director, I did not know where I will arrive, but I know where I want to go. When I left, I had no book. I was not invited to speak at the Superwoman Summit. I was not invited to be here on this podcast with you, right? But I know where I want to eventually go. And, but the path is unclear and that's okay. And that's okay. And sometimes you have to embrace the, the fact that we don't know everything. So what is the big vision for your leadership? Where do you want it to go? I want to bring goodness to people's in their own private life, into their working place, into the relationship with their spouse. I want them to feel that they matter and they value, they're valued and they should value themselves. And if there's any way that I can help them understand that and and when we do that with ourselves, when we love ourselves, when we value ourselves, it will be much easier to love others and value others. And you do that by turning inward. You have to turn inward before you turn outward. Yeah, I think this is this is a really huge point you're making and something that I wholeheartedly believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I and know. I think that's... That's something I hope people take away is that if they're not leading from the process of being able to um, reflect on their own sense of self as a leader, Mm -hmm. then I'm not sure how much of a vision can be made because is that vision coming from um, a disconnected place or or at least like an externalized Mm -hmm. place, if that makes sense? Exactly, exactly. I think um, the... I think that good leadership and and Jewish and and world history has shown that there are bad leadership. Look at Hitler. You know, if there was a conversation about leadership, oh my God, he was a leader because people did follow him, but he was an evil leader. He was a leader that created devastation and millions and millions of people, Jews and non-Jews dying. How do we create positive leadership? Right. And I just want to say that I really appreciate you bringing up the cultural context, which is so powerful from your lineage, because in the beginning, you talked about leadership requiring connection and belief, right? And certainly Hitler had people believing in him and and Mm. he was able to connect with them on some level or Mm -hmm. connect with some part of them. Mm But now you're bringing in this other component that there's a point of which, to me, I would say in my terms, leadership becomes either life-serving or life-limiting. Exactly. And I called it positive leadership. Yes, it's, we, yes we speak the same, um, the same language on this one. Yes, we know people that are 
not positive leaders that exist today? How do we, as culture, stands up, stand up for that, against that, by again, using our own compass, our own conscience, knowing the right from wrong, and things are, you know, while there are many things that could be gray, good and bad is pretty clear, I think. You know, what are good is to walk to me, is to listen again to the words in the in, in, in my in my Bible. You know, where is good? What is goodness? What is the origin of goodness? And what's the difference? You know, is goodness is something that you only keep to yourself or do you spread it outward? Right? Remember the story I gave you uh, about how do you take care of yourself? Right? Do you keep yourself warm only for you or do you create fire so other people can be warm? That's the same idea as kindness. I want and, and kindness versus goodness, right? Kindness is where you spread it out. And I wish to see more kindness in this world. I love that. I, I love the imagery and the metaphor and appreciate that kind of ending point. Um, just real quick before we wrap up, yeah. uh, is there a leader in the world today who, who you really look up to? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I need to think. Okay. I need to think on that. Okay, I need right. to think on that because, you know, my head goes into the politics and right now I am like struggling. Yes. Um, so I, I'd rather not go that way. Well, but then, it, it of could course, be any, I'm going to anyone spiritual. In your world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. When you think of, you know, I mean, all the Brene Brown and the Oprah Winfrey and all these people that talk about the soul and the existence of goodness. And, yeah. um, you know, there's so many in the spiritual world that is not necessarily religious, right? Yeah. And they are all about learning how to be the your, the best the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And how can you transfer it and transform it to everybody else around you? To me, that's a model I want us to all be part of. So but it's interesting, you know, when you ask leadership, I went to politics in my head. <laughs> and then I had to like, whoa, 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 Doris, this is not politics here, you know. <laughs> well, we were just speaking about Hitler and yeah, <laughs> yes, fairness yes, I you. Guess, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of other Jewish leaders. You know, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is amazing, you know, in his teaching about humanity and how to be the best you can be. Um, uh, you know, Rabbi um, uh, Kushner, Rabbi Telushkin. I mean, these are the rabbis that uh, are my my guest, quote unquote, it's every time around my table, you know, I read their books. These are, if we can all glean some of the goodness and the wisdom and the energy and the positivity and the reason to be the best that we can, I mean, the world will be so much better. Beautiful. So Doris Hornstein has a new book, probably about the time this comes out, if not in a few days, Moments of the Heart. Where can people connect with your work if they want to. They are invited to visit my website, dorishorenstein.com. I also teach and have an online class about the Hebrew letters. So if they're interested and intrigued by the Hebrew letters and want to sign up for my online classes, beautiful, jewisheducationservices.com is where you can find a ton of information about that. And um, 
you can buy my book on Amazon, uh, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, available everywhere. And I am so super excited. And I want to thank you for bringing me on and having this conversation with me because I loved it. Well, thank you so much um, for sharing and for all the work you're doing in the world. I really appreciate you being a guest. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. To check out more from Doris, go to jewisheducationservices.com. Here's the question of the day. Where in your world might you reframe your sense of privilege, and what does that impact on yourself? This has been the Supergivers Podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Jesse Johnson. You can help me out with one of three simple actions. You can write a five-star review on iTunes, you can tell a friend about the show, or you can listen to another episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn. You can learn more about me and my equine-based leadership work at supergivers.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.